This morning we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark. And again, one of the, the beauties of the way that we go about making much of Christ means that on an Easter Sunday, we can continue right along as we're doing it. And, and by God's design, He's actually given us a passage that points really beautifully to the resurrection, to what God has done. But I just want to set a little background because maybe you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, but Mark in his gospel, is really pressing into the fact of who Christ is. He does it in like these very episodic, if, you were, uh, if you're a Netflix or an Amazon Prime fan, it, that Mark would really transfer well to that. Because each episode is like this beautiful picture of the authority of Christ. And then it goes in immediately, so like you could just stream and jump through, you know, uh, binge all of them, because it would be like immediately he goes to this. And so Mark jumps from one thing to the next, each of these stories pointing to who Christ is. He began with the, the prophecy and John the Baptist who prophesied that one would come. And then at the baptism, John looks and he sees Jesus and he baptizes Jesus and the skies open and a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we were rocked with that. And then he continues on and he begins to call the disciples and they follow him with a simple call of, come follow me. And they leave everything, and they follow this man, Jesus. And then we see Jesus the healer as he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And we see him as the one who cast out demons. We see him as the teacher in the synagogue. And last week, we looked and saw him as the one who touched the unclean and made them clean. And today, we see that Jesus is the forgiver of sins. And, and that's the gift that we have as we read through the Gospel of Mark. And this is the beginning in chapter 2 and the next couple chapters of this authority that Mark has established in Jesus. And what we're going to see is that that authority actually pushes up against some of the other authority that's been established. We're going to meet the scribes and the Pharisees, and we're going to see that this religious people that had authority, Jesus says, no, I'm the authority. And I pray that that changes in our minds as we really wrestle with, like, if Jesus has authority, he can do whatever he wants with my life. Because we want to think that there's certain things that he wouldn't do, but if he is the Son of God, if he is the God-man, then he can call us to things that are uncomfortable, and we can walk in them and find joy. We can find hope. We can find rest, because we are walking with the risen Savior. So I... I just hope that that's an encouragement for you today. I know it's also a challenge, but some of the best gifts that we have are not easy. <laughs> and so I pray that we would rest in that today as we look at Jesus and the way that he heals the paralytic. Let's pray. God, would you, by grace, give us ears to hear your word. God, and not in a way that um, we could hear it and it, it's just news, but that we would hear it and it's good news. It's the best news that we can hear. God, would you give us eyes to see, eyes to see in your word, eyes opened by the Holy Spirit so that we become partakers rather than just the crowd. God, would you do that today? Would you give me um, your words, God? I thank you that you are changing me. And I pray that you would continue to change us as a people. Lord, may we be dependent upon you today and every day. 
And we thank you that we can pray all of us with confidence, knowing that it's your will that we would know you. It's your desire that we would know you and be satisfied. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're just going to divide this section into three sections uh, because three is the perfect number and every pastor has three points, and so that's what I normally do. Um, No, I think it breaks down nicely. We have this gift of what does it mean when Jesus comes to the paralytic? And the first thing that we see is the crowds. So walk with me through verses 1 through 5. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. The the first thing that we see today is the strength of faith. The strength of faith. You see, what, what these four men did as they navigate through this crowd, they can't get through the crowd, They grab their friend, they take him up on top of the house, they cut through the roof, and they lower him down to Jesus, all because they have faith that Jesus can heal him. You see, things can be difficult but not impossible with faith. And so today we're we're given this picture of the strength of faith. What we do know is from last week, when remember when Jesus told the leper that had been healed and his whole life has been restored to him? And it was, it was beautiful. It was crazy. He has everything given back to him. We don't know how long he didn't have it, but we know that God restored him fully, not just in health, but in society, into community with men, into community with himself. And he told the leper, don't go tell anybody. Here's what you do. You need to go to the, go to the priest. You need to walk through obedience in what the law says. But that leper, he went out and he told everybody. And that... <laughs> is what Jesus is trying to get him not to do because this is, this is the result. There are so many people that Jesus is surrounded by this crowd. And most likely, it's a crowd of people who just want things. Most likely. They, they have healing that they need. They have, uh, maybe they've heard cleansing happens, and so they want to be clean. But, but really, they don't know Jesus because they've only seen a little bit of him. But they're gathering in droves. To the point where he can't have a moment. They can't even get in the house. There's there's so many people in the crowd. But Jesus doesn't want crowds. Which is why he told the leper not to go. Jesus doesn't want crowds. He wants disciples. If it was all about crowds. He would make himself known to everyone. And all of the Middle East would come. All of the known world would come and see Jesus. But Jesus comes as the humble servant. To do a work that is not just for that time and that people, but is for all time and all people. And so Jesus doesn't want crowds, he wants disciples. He longs for people that would give up everything to follow him. Not that they would just stand back and observe or even press in and say, hey, what can I get from this? But that would say, I will follow you and I will give up everything. Which is why he called James and John, Andrew and Peter, and they followed him. We're going to see, he's going to... Out of this story, he's going to call Matthew, and we're going to look at that next week and what that means. So Jesus, he's not in it for the crowds. 
The crowds are actually a distraction and they actually take away from some of the things that he's trying to do. But we see that the crowds don't stop these four guys that are bringing their friend. You see, Jesus responds to these four men, right? They, they climb up on top of the roof. They cut a hole. The guy that's hosting the party is probably not too happy. I imagine that even the people downstairs are not too happy because who knows what's falling on them. But eventually this man gets lowered down and into, the, into where they're sitting. And Jesus sees him. When they could not, verse 4, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw, look closely, when Jesus saw their what? Go ahead, say it. When Jesus saw their faith, right? Not their tenacity, not their ingenuity, not their creativity, not their perseverance to get their friend there, but their faith. We saw it last week when, when the leper comes and he approaches Jesus and he says, I know you can. I know you can make me clean. Will you? You see, Jesus responds to faith. And in this case, it's not even, we don't know if it's the paralytic's faith. We don't know if he's the one. But we do know that he responds to the faith of the four men who said, we will go to do the difficult thing to bring our brother to Jesus. And that's, that's what we do as the body of Christ. In our sermon prep this week, Jeremiah Fife, who's a pastor at uh, Cross Point Coast Pineda, we were talking, and, and Justin Sarah, um, the, the church plant pastor at Cross Point Coast Palm Bay, we, we meet every week and we get to talk about the scripture together. And Jeremiah said this, he said, the fact is that we all need a small group of friends that will bring us to Jesus in our greatest need. So very often we are unable to bring ourselves. Jesus was able to recall the word and hold it out in the face of temptation, but that is far too rarely the case for us. We need friends who will bear us to Jesus. That's the whole reason for the name of our church. We are cross point because we believe we need people to point us to Jesus Christ. So often we think that we're cross point because we need to point others to Jesus. But we're cross point because we need each of us to point us to Jesus. That's our greatest need, is to see Jesus, to be, to, to be brought to him on days where we can't bring ourselves to him. That's the gift of the church that we miss out on so often. For so many reasons, it could be shame, it could just be uh, an, uh, an inability to trust, and yet when we press into this gift that God has given us of being the church together, there are days where you will not be able to come to Christ, but there will be a brother or sister there who will bear you to Him. What a gift. What a gift that my faith is not my, my own faith, but my faith is our faith together, believing the Word of God to be true. And it's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of every believer. Man, we, when we think about these things, how often do I neglect these beautiful gifts that I've been given? Whether it's God's word or his church or his spirit, everything that I need for life, I have in Christ. What a gift to be able to do this together.
I just think that the, the faith of these four men, as they bear Jesus, as they bear the paralytic to Jesus, is an, is an encouragement to us today. I pray that we would see it, and it would, it would excite us, it would stir our passion. As we continue to move through the passage, we'll start again in verse 5. It says this, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Listen, there's a couple people in this audience right now in the, in the passage. You have the, the religious, right, the scribes. You have the disciples that have borne the brunt of getting their buddy to Jesus, and they're probably in their minds, because we can all agree, thinking that's not what he needs. He does not need forgiveness of sins. Can't you see he can't walk? He can't move. How often do we think that? Even as a church, with the best of intentions, we bring something to Jesus and we say, this is what this person needs. But really, we don't know, but Jesus does. Jesus knows the heart. He knows the heart of the man, the paralytic that's lying there. He knows the heart of the disciples. He knows the heart of the scribes, the religious lost that are missing him, that are questioning, who is this guy that he can, he can forgive sins? And he knows our hearts too, which is both scary and really freeing. Because <laughs> I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to pretend anymore. I have a God who knows me and has still walked all the way to Calvary to suffer in my place. And then he rose again that I may walk in life. That's good news. Scary news and good news. And now we can come together as a body, presenting each other and saying, I don't know what this person needs, God, but you do. And I can pray wholeheartedly knowing that, God, that the God who knows me knows my neighbor. That the God who knows me knows my children. That the God who knows me knows my, that person I don't even like. And he's changing me that I would love him. And he's changing them. So we have this confidence because God knows the hearts of everyone involved in this situation. And the Jews knew that only God could forgive sin. That's why this is such a big deal. Right? So the scribes react this way because as soon as he says your sins are forgiven, he has now said, and he said it a couple times now, but every time it creates this response like, Whoa, that is, that's ridiculous. Who are you to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. So Jesus is saying, I am the Son of God. I am God. Your sins are forgiven. The compassion of Jesus to look at the paralytic and say, Son, if you are a parent, you know what it means to have children and to love them. If you have a parent who loves you, you've experienced some of this. But for Jesus to say, son, to look the paralytic in the eye and say, son, your sins are forgiven. In that moment, that paralytic knew love. 
He knew what it was like to be loved by the Savior. The greatest need that he had was that his sins would be forgiven. And God, in the person of Jesus, had said that his sins were forgiven. This is amazing, compassionate. Again, we think about Jesus and like his, the grand scheme that he has, that he, he came to earth to live a perfect life, to go to the cross, to die a sinner's death on our behalf, to rise again on Resurrection Sunday, then to show himself by his grace. Like it's a kindness that, that so many people saw him after he rose again. And then to ascend into heaven, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and to continue to intercede for us and reign as sovereign king. All of that is in the big picture. And yet, in the going, he sees the paralytic, just like he saw the leper, just like he saw Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And he knows the greatest need, and he meets that need. You see, our God is almighty. He is powerful. He is the Son of God. And yet he's so compassionate and personable that he sees everyone that he interacts with. It's good news for us today that the God of the universe knows you, knows your greatest need and has met your greatest need. I pray that we would believe that today, that that belief would change the way that we live. You see, this forgiveness of sins, it's outrageous. Almost you know, to the same level as last week where he touched what was unclean and made it clean These things are changing the whole dynamic because this is what was prophesied, that the king would come and that nothing would be the same when he came. And we're seeing it. Jesus, the forgiver of sins. If we thought it was scandalous last week when Jesus touched the leper, it's even more so this week. Now he's saying, I have the ability to forgive sins. As we continue to look, we see that this reaction that happens in the, in the scribes into the, in the religious lost creates a question. And Jesus says to them in verse 9, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I love this. It's it's a question that we all have. It's a question that if we were sitting there, we would ask, like, Wait a second. How can you forgive sins and you, you haven't made him walk? That's his greatest need. But Jesus says, no, I've come. And the proof of what I say, the proof that your sins are forgiven happens when that man gets up and walks. And by grace, he does this thing so that we would believe, so that we would know that the Son of Man has authority over everything. So that we would know that the hope that we put in him is a, is a valid hope. It's the best hope that we can have. And so he looks at the man and he says, get up and walk. You see, the, the beauty of it is that neither of these things is easy. But Jesus does them both. He does this outward thing 
as proof of the inward thing that He had already done. The greatest thing that Jesus did was forgive sins. God had been healing and restoring people for all since the beginning. Anyone who got sick and was healed was healed by God. Demons had been cast out before and that was by God. But God in the person of Jesus came and He suffered the penalty for sin so that we could be forgiven. All of the forgiveness of sin before that happened in sacrifices was not actually the sacrifice that was cleansing them. It was a sacrifice that was pointing to one who would come, who would take our sin, the penalty for our sin, and He would bear it to the cross. And that's the greatest thing that Jesus has done, and He could only do it. He alone can forgive sin. And so, as proof that that had been done, He tells the paralytic who had not walked, to get up and walk. And it's so amazing that everyone there was proclaiming in amazement, right? They glorified God. They said, we've never seen anything like this. And that points to this day, Easter Sunday. You see, all of the truth of Scripture is bound up in the fact that Jesus said that He would come, He would die, but remember, in three days He would rise again. Because if, if that doesn't happen, if that physical thing does not happen, then we don't have the hope that all the other things that he said are true. And, and so we tie those two things together just like the paralytic whose sins had been forgiven. But Jesus said, so that you may know, stand up and walk. Listen, today we need to know. And Jesus said, so that they may know. I've risen from the dead. And he, and he showed himself to the disciples. He said, hey, everything that I told you, it's true. I am the only one. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come. And my death was not the end of the story. My death was the sacrifice you needed so that you could have life. And now here I am, risen. This risen King that we serve, that we get to rejoice in. All of it's true. And we see it in the resurrection. Jesus is everything that He said He is. And we get to rejoice today. You see, which is easier? To believe that Jesus has reconciled a people to a holy God or that He's risen from the dead? Both are true. Just like the same are true with the paralytic. Which is easier? That your sins are forgiven Or that you could walk, and he says, get up and walk. Today, when you struggle believing that you have been reconciled to a holy God, remember the resurrection, because it's true. And so that that truth that you have been reconciled to a holy God is true for you, and you cling to that. And we rejoice, because this rising from the dead is the greatest gift that we have, that all of God's scripture is true. The God we needed, the the man that we needed, died in our place, paid the penalty for our sin, and resurrected to defeat sin and death so that the sin that we once walked in no longer has power over us. 
We are free. And if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. Amen? Amen. That's good news for us today. This morning, I have a couple just calls. I would invite you, if you don't believe, if you're struggling with belief, today, believe. The call is to go from unbeliever to believer. Another call that we see in the passage is to go from crowd to disciple. We can be part of that crowd that just stands there and watches and observes. Or we can be a disciple that would give up everything, that would respond to the grace that we've seen, the truth of the resurrection, the truth of the paralytic standing up. Right? A lot of these people, even in their amazement, went back and lived life the same way. But some of them, I'm sure, were changed radically. Give up everything to follow Jesus. They glorified God. Today there's another call to, to go from skeptic to worshiper. Right? To move from one who would question. And, and I'm sh- I think probably even some of these scribes that were questioning because they had so much, they had grown up in the religion, the Hebrew religion. They, this, this statement that Jesus makes wows them. But then they see Jesus raise the paralytic and say, get up and walk. And they're amazed and they glorify God. And they remember that this is the one that it had been prophesied about that would come. And so they moved from skeptic to worshiper. We need to remember these things. You see, Jesus did these things, right? He, he says, which is easier to say to the paralytic in verse 9, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And then in verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go home. This morning, that we may know Jesus rose from the dead. That we may know he's provided healing. That we may know we've seen miracles. We have his word. All of the miraculous deeds of Jesus. That we may know that he is God. That he reigns forever. He has done these things. It's not just for the people in the story. It's for us today. Cling to that. Put your hope in that. Take joy in that, and I pray that that would change the way that we live. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your Spirit. We thank you so much for the gift of your Word. We thank you that you came as the God-man, Jesus Christ. That you were born a humble birth. That you walked a humble life perfectly righteous. Not just not messing up, but perfectly loving, perfectly kind. You engaged people in their sin and you spoke life that their sins were forgiven because you paid the penalty for those sins. God, may we rest in that today. May we rejoice in the gift of the resurrection, the proof that you are God. 
that you have done everything that you said you've done. Lord, that we may know. God, and may we not just know, but may we partake. May we now become proclaimers as we hear. God, may we tell our neighbor that they may know. May we tell our community that they may know. May we tell our co-workers that they may know. Lord, this hope that we have. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for the joy of rejoicing together as the church, pointing each other to Jesus, bearing each other to Jesus. God, you're good and kind. We love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.